morning, everyone. Welcome to the Lord's House for Worship today. We've just started the season of Advent. It means coming and it means Jesus is coming and we're looking forward to his coming. And so Advent is a time of preparation. We want to be ready for him. And you are with all the strength that he has in gifts. Order of service is on screen and in your worship folder. At this time, let's begin with our opening hymn, 324.
Please stand. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus my Savior, I pray. Have mercy on me, according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin, and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all of your sin. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's removed your guilt forever. You are his own, dear child. May God give us all strength now to live according to his will. And in the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Let us pray. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come. Protect us by your strength and save us from the threatening dangers of all of our sins. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson is Isaiah 64. 
God seemed distant, and there were threatening dangers against the Israelites, against Judah. And in times like that, the best thing God's people can do is persist and go to the Lord. And you see that happening here. They turn to the Lord in prayer. And they ask the Lord, based on his own goodness and works of the past, to, to help. And then they remember also that they have no right to ask because of their sin. And so they look to God to be their strength even there and to be faithful to them even when they don't deserve it. We read, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire set, sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us has become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. The word of the Lord. Continue with Psalm 24.
second lesson from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 serves as a basis for the sermon. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. Gospel from Mark 11, Jesus is the one who came in humility, he will be the one who comes next in glory, may we recognize him. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Beth Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and just as you enter it you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden, untie it and bring it here and if anyone asks you why are you doing this, say the Lord needs it and we'll send it back shortly, here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for the hymn.
Grace and peace are yours from our Lord Jesus Christ, your fellow believers in him. You've got your bulletin handy and you're looking at the sermon text for today in the bulletin and you're trying to find the correlation between the theme and the parts of today's sermon and looking directly at the text of 1 Corinthians 1, 3 to 9, you're going to have a very hard time. There's absolutely nothing in today's text that says how a man should treat a woman. Or the reverse, how a woman should treat a man. There's nothing there about marriage. There's nothing there about relationships. There's certainly nothing there about dating whatsoever. It's, it's not there. And if you do even just a little bit of digging, you're going to find out even the guy who wrote it's a bachelor. Paul. It's not there. But it's all there. As Paul writes this, he recognizes fully that he is writing to the bride of Jesus Christ himself. This is the one woman that Jesus is coming back for. The one that he loves. The one that he's going to rescue. The one that he's going to bring to heaven. He's writing to the church of God, the bride of Christ. He's writing to the saints of God, both men and women. That's who you are. The people that Jesus is coming to save again. The people that are in this world but not of the world. And who still struggle in the world and are burdened by the world and oppressed and beaten down day after day. As Paul writes this section, this is not Paul writing to a girl that he likes. This is the Holy Spirit writing these words through the Apostle Paul, which means he recognizes Jesus knows how to treat a woman. His bride. And he always has. And you see it from the get-go, from the very way he greets his bride, the church of God, the, the believers in Corinth, when he says this, verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he said to you too, and I just said that right before the sermon too. You are the bride of Christ. And from the very beginning, he lets you see that you stand under the full, complete grace of God and that you are not in your sins whatsoever because of Jesus Christ. He could have had a very different introduction. He could have said, dear Corinthians, I hope you're sitting down for this. I have some terrible news for you and we need to go bullet point by bullet point through all of the, the deficiencies in your congregation and how terrible these things are and, and all these things you need to fix. But he doesn't do that because through faith in Jesus Christ, you have the fullness of all of the work that Jesus came for, accomplished and did with his perfect life, with his death and resurrection. It is fully yours, which means then that the result is yours. You have peace with God. There, there's no division between you and God. There's no separation between you and him. There's not even one little iota or ounce of tension between you and the Lord. Full peace. Grace and peace to you is what he says. Now keep in mind there's not one person in this room who deserves any of this. Not the least little part. That's why it's called grace. Grace. It's a gift. 
God did this. And this grace and peace that is yours, it goes all the way to the highest throne in heaven. This is from God himself, but he doesn't say that. He says it's from your father, the dear one in heaven, your father who loves you. And it doesn't stop there either. Just in case you thought Jesus might still be angry with you and still upset because of what he had to do, it's also from your Lord Jesus Christ, the very one who knows your sin because he paid it. All of it. He gave himself fully for you. He didn't hold anything back. And this is all yours. The Lord Jesus certainly knows how to treat a woman right. And right out of the gates, he tells her exactly how she looks. She is so beautiful and set apart to him because of his own work, his grace. And this is what it's always been because of him and his promises. And he doesn't stop there. He continues and adds on to it. He says... I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech, with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift. Uh, the problem with sinful eyes and hearts and, and the way this world works is that it, it distorts everything good and upright and godly that God gives. And so what happens with women in this world way, way too often? They're put down... Maybe they even are hard on themselves, but this world is hard on them, oppressing them, putting them down, manipulating them, uh, guilting them, shaming them, making them objects. And even if you walk through certain aisles of stores, you'll see the magazines and you'll see the way the world accentuates and only appreciates maybe certain things about women. That's the way this world works. And sadly, sometimes even in the Christian church, we do the same thing, albeit differently. We look around and we see gifts that we really admire. We look around and we see gifts from God that, that maybe we'd like to have or that are really stand out and, and are set apart. And so we elevate those gifts and we elevate the people who have those kinds of gifts. And the Corinthian church did the exact same thing. The one gift that was really one that stood out and their eyes popped at, speaking in tongues which means being able to speak different languages. When people did that at Corinth, they elevated those people, they put them on a pedestal, and they set those people apart. And they diminished the other gifts that God had sent. And it created just a disaster in the congregation and created all kinds of sinful tensions. And so you see Paul right out of the gates here again, not just telling the Corinthians how they look by the grace of God, but he tries to set the foundation for all the gifts that they have. Listen again to what he says. You have been enriched in every way with all kinds of gifts and speech and with all knowledge. You do not lack any spiritual gift. Look right at Christ. You have it all. The Lord Jesus has not held back anything from you. The Lord Jesus has not just given one particular gift here among 
uh, among the Corinthians or even at St. Paul's here so that some are elevated and can do a really good job at serving. You have every gift under heaven here in this congregation. And it is incredible so that this congregation stands out and actually looks like that woman in Proverbs 31. That woman in Proverbs 31 honored the Lord. She rightly was a blessing to her husband and it's described throughout that chapter. And she served her entire household so well so that the entire community even recognized how gifted she was and praised her. Do you understand we have the mind of Christ and we have every gift under heaven? Which means, so do you. You stand out. And it's the job of the Christian church today that when believers come together, that we do look at the gifts, the spiritual gifts Christ has given to one another. That we desire to recognize these things because we're all different. And that we desire to, to use these and submit them to the Lord Jesus and strive to put them forward to further his glorious saving name among us, to help build up the body of believers, and then even to take this out into the community and serve our community and to bless the whole household here. Do you understand? That woman in Proverbs 31, she was the real deal. <laughs> so are you. The Lord Jesus hasn't held back anything from you. He tells you how you look and he tells you you are gifted in every way and he even provides the gifts. But the problem is that's work, isn't it? It's work day after day to use these gifts and it gets routine and it gets monotonous and, and maybe it, it even gets just ho-hum. How many years have we done the living nativity now? 21, is it time to stop? I mean, we ask for the same cast and characters every single year. We ask for cookies every single year. I, I mean, it's the same thing. And, and actually, overall, the ministry plan that we have year after year, it's kind of the same. We do a lot here, and boy, sometimes people aren't appreciative, they're not thankful for the gifts we use and the volunteerism we do, and, and sometimes even there are some who, it's not that they don't express thanks, they express the exact opposite. Oh, look at that person, that goody two-shoes over there, doing what they always do, and so they denigrate you and tear you down. It's actually not the work that's hard, is it? Do you know what makes the work hard, monotonous, boring, routine? It's our sinful hearts. And it's the sinful hearts of the other people too that, that make this less than the good work it really is. The Corinthians had some challenges too in their congregation. Great, great big ones that caused them to look down on one another. And, and I'd encourage you, read the whole book this week. Start today with three chapters. Try to do three chapters a day. But if you look through what was happening at this congregation, I know Paul starts out by telling them exactly how they look and he points out exactly their gifts. But they're tearing each other apart. There's divisions, there's factions. They tear Paul down in, in his entire ministry. They make him less than what he is. They, they have lawsuits against one another and they parade their sins before the community so that the community is even turned off. They have this 
this terrible notion of love so that they, they welcome somebody they really should discipline and kick out of the church. They, they step on one another. They squash people who are weak in faith. They squash their faith. They malign the Lord's Supper. They malign potluck so that some are eating and get food and, and others go hungry. I mean, the congregation in and of itself has, has disaster written all over it because they're walking away from the grace of God to pursue sin. That's what always happens when somebody walks away from the grace of God. And so Paul had to get very, very firm with them and call them on it to get them back to it. Do I need to call you on it today? There's this notion in the world from counselors in general that you're not supposed to surprise a woman. And what I mean by that is it's not that you can't get her a little gift of chocolate. You can't do something nice and surprising on the day. That's not what I'm talking about. There's this notion that you don't plan a date for a woman without telling her about it. Tell her about it. Let her in on it. Uh, they, they, appreciate, they don't necessarily like being surprised. Or another way to look at this is you don't want to come up behind a woman and just scare her where her heart goes down to her feet. These are just general, nice, helpful things, guys. What a terrible thing for somebody to grow up in the grace of God, to go to our school, to go to a Lutheran high school, and to walk away from Jesus Christ because you're going to pursue sin. Because then you're not going to be prepared. And on the last day when Jesus stands on this earth, you will be shocked. You will be surprised. Because he will not know you. And it will be your fault. And so Advent is a time of preparation where we bring our sins to the Lord and we repent. And we listen very carefully to his solution. He says, He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Don't want to be shocked on that last day? Don't want to be surprised on that last day? Paul has a very, very simple solution for you. Go to church. Go to church to hear Jesus. Go to church to pay attention to the word of God. And take it to heart. Go to church to grow in the grace of God. And to let the word of God strengthen your faith. I understand this is, this is not radical. This is not a surprising answer coming from the pulpit, is it? In fact, you want to take it a step further? From verses 3 to 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, six times the Apostle Paul mentions Christ, Christ Jesus, or the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not even counting the pronouns in this section. I would love to go through it from verse 3. I think it's in verse 4. I think it skips verse 5. It's in verse 6, 7, Eight and nine. Six times there he mentions this. It's as if he's trying to give you a billboard about Las Vegas in the middle of a desert. Here it is. Here's the answer. It's not hard. And so with our fickleness and with our faithlessness, with our folly, sinful folly, and with our wandering, Christ is always the answer. Because he forgives sin. Because he loves the sinner. 
And he welcomes you back. Because by the power of his resurrection, that's the strength that he gives you to be prepared for his coming so that you will stand firm, so that you will be blameless, and so that you will be ready on that last day. He is faithful. So that when he stands here, you won't be shocked. You won't be surprised. It'll just be joy. Why would, why would it be anything else? Throughout this entire letter so far, just verses 3 to 9, you see very, very clearly that the Lord Jesus knows how to treat a woman right. He knows how to treat his bride right. He tells her how she looks by grace. He points out all of her gifts that make her such a blessing and she can carry out the work of God so well. And he doesn't want her surprised and shocked on that last day. So he reveals his plans. And he holds her close by the word. And you know what the church does? It responds by holding him close. Amen. Please stand. We join together and confess our faith with the creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for the responsive. Gracious Lord, you sent your Son into our world to destroy the power of Satan and restore the human race as your children and heirs. Work in us during this Advent season so that we may rejoice in the coming of our Savior and long for his coming again. Use the preaching of your holy law to rid us of all delusions that we can gain your love with our own efforts. Move us to realize how hopeless we are because of sin and to feel sorrow for what we have done wrong. Lift up our hearts to see the King who comes to save. Reveal to us his willingness to take on our human form and stand in our place. Show us the power he extends in his word and sacraments to make us your children and keep us in the faith. Thrill us with his promise to come and take us to our eternal home to live with you forever. As we live with Christ and trust in him, move us to turn away from sin daily with the strength that your Holy Spirit provides. When we fall, forgive us and renew us to love and serve you and all people. Protect us from the distractions that come at this time of the year. Even in gift giving and celebrating, keep our hearts focused on Christ and his forgiving love. Give us joy and his coming. 
Move us to share with others the most important gift of the season, the truth about Jesus, even in busy times. Lead us to pray for those whose joy is diminished because of sickness, pain, or loss. Give us opportunities to provide help to those in need. Hear us, Lord, as we now pray in silence. Loving Lord, work in us during this Advent season so that our joy may be genuine and we may rest in the promises of the King who comes to save. And we join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort us in all temptation. And bestow on us your saving peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, 
one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Live in harmony with one another and serve your Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Good morning, everyone. 